Welcome to the Cosmic Reality Radio Show, where our hearts are our master. A production of CosmicReality.com. And welcome to Cosmic Reality for November 14th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. And um, so Walt uh, and I were on the Shungite show. That was an interesting ride that we took. If you you missed it, uh, it'll be up in the archives probably tomorrow. And um, so I want to say hi, Walty, here. Hello, everybody. Thank you for being here tonight with us. Uh, sorry, it's so dark outside with the change of season. There's nothing I can do about it. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's a pain in the ass. I'm still having a problem with the time thing. Uh, anyway, and say hi, Dolly. Hi. <laughs> That's it. Something I wanted to say, and I keep wanting to say it, and then I keep forgetting it. <laughs> so... Yeah. When I think of it, I'll just, I'm going to interrupt, believe it or not. <laughs> so, uh, hopefully, everything will, everyone like me will stay calm. Ask the we'll, to tell you, what is it that you were pl- planning to say? What was I planning to say? Well, Posse's not here yet, Dave is. Dave, what was I going to say? Oh, thank you, Dave. <laughs> Good idea. Thanks, Walt. Um, when I get quiet, when Dave is with me and I'm trying to share what he says, I, it's because if I don't get quiet, I can't hear what he says. And and that's why it gets quiet. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. We well, know that's, that. That, no, well, that's... For those people that were on the Say What show, Jan and Jan, Dolly felt that Jan was disrespecting Dave. Damn and I right. Had, I had to point out to her, well, you go silent. And Walt and I know, we know we've, we've been taught not to interrupt <laughs> you when you're silent because you're listening. But Jan, she, she doesn't know this. So there's a big lull in the conversation and she starts talking and... Dolly felt that was disrespectful because she was talking over Dave, but she didn't realize Dave was talking. <laughs> so that's what the comment is, is if she goes silent when she's talking to Dave, listeners, we, you haven't lost a station. Just hang in there and she'll start talking sooner or later. I think that's what you meant, right? Yes, yes, exactly. When And and if I say, if, I, if I'm saying something and all of a sudden... Uh, like Jan is talking over and over and over and she won't stop when I ask her to stop um, you might have some permanent silence on that show <laughs> I got really pissed off y'all and I, I do apologize that I let myself um, get that pissed I shouldn't have 
damn straight, I was embarrassed by it. I'm, well, <laughs> that's life. <laughs> I'm not even going to apologize for it because that's how upset I am about it. <laughs> I, I, have, I don't remember the last time I have ever been that pissed at somebody. And that's part of what was upsetting me, too. I, I'm sitting there thinking, why the hell am I yelling so bad? I don't do this. But I, I kept hearing Dave say she needs to shut up. I'm trying <laughs> to share something that I don't normally get to share with y'all, and she's not allowing me to talk. So I had that going on. In the background, Dave talking to me, and and I had Jan not, she was being very disrespectful in my mind uh, by keeping interrupting. So, and then I was getting pissed at myself because I was getting so upset and (sighs) took me days to get over that incident. (laughs) Well, you said you have a, you have what Dave wanted to say that you could read for us. Oh, yeah, I do. Let me see. And you might not be here Saturday, so let's do it yeah. now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Sherry's house Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I might not be on, but I will try my best, especially to get Nancy and Walter list. Let's see here. Where is Dave's? Oh, on my list I have, we need an update from Walt about his mom. What uh, the latest that I that I learned was uh, during our show she she called during the break, so it, it, she it's interesting that they they brought her another device and she was able to stand up from the bed. So oh. I don't know, I don't know what this device is, but all she had to do was hold on to it and she was able to stand on the first try, which is a big leap, but because that's what she's been trying to deal with ever since the that her stay in the hospital her stay in the hospital wasn't very wasn't very positive overall because all the time she had was dealing with the pain of the ulcers in the legs but the ulcers have uh little literally closed up just you know there's a little bit of scabbing but uh the ulcers are closed up and uh but her uh her uh, uh what do you, her focus was she wanted to be able to stand up from the leg from the from the uh, bed not be like uh, stuck in a single position so and she and she told me that uh, she was able to do it so they brought this machine over and she's got to do use them every day so she's i she's making a comeback <laughs> she's she's getting the strength to get uh, to be able to get up which so she's with. home, Walt? Oh, no, she's at that place. Oh, the uh, rehab? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh. Well, I'm glad for her because I bet she, she's feeling better emotionally. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I congratulated her. I said, wow, fantastic. That's And also she was feeling kind of uh, discouraged and kind of helpless because she says all the days that are passing, why are they doing so little? I mean... Uh, she says I should be standing up like twice a day to get my motion back. Nobody, if if I don't hit that button, nobody shows up to get me out of the bed. And uh, e- even if I 
push the button. It takes two, three hours for somebody to show up. So it seems that someone has taken notice of the situation of what she's dealing with because she said that a, a girl that she has not seen came into the room and posted some kind of notice on the on the wall. She didn't know what it was about. And it's a list of things that need to be taken care of concerning her. Oh, cool. The special attention that she needs to be taken care of. So I guess things are finally making a change. And does it like that that uh, uh, nurse's aide actually <laughs> made a big change because when that accident occurred yesterday, it was because that nurse's aide she comes into work and she's she's angry. She's angry at everybody. So it seems that she took it out on my mother, whatever she did. Uh, she, however, she handled this winch mechanism that they used to lift people out of bed. Uh, it, it, uh, it actually fell apart. <gasps> it, it is, and it hit her, hit her in the head. So that's oh why, my God. That's why they, they had a, a, a bag of ice on her. So I think that someone has gotten a big talking to because, you know, you, that's not the way to do it. If, if you come to work and you're angry at everybody, if something's going on at home and you're taking it on everybody at work. So leave the leave your fights at home and come to work as a, as a regular, normal person. But don't, don't take it out on the people around you. Right. Right. Oh, my gosh. And they do that in the facilities for the rehab. They do do that ignoring crap. And whenever I had to go in and sit with a patient in uh, my CNA position, independent contractor, and they they were ignoring my patient, boy, did the supervisor hear about it. Because I'm not, I don't like to sit there and witness my patient being ignored and treated badly no. when I'm there and I have control over some things. I don't everything because usually it was in the hospital or the rehab facility. But mm. I had enough that I could yell. <laughs> well, that's why she likes me to visit because she says if they see if they see you coming in, they pay attention when yeah. I'm calling on the on the button. If they think I'm if they think I'm alone and nobody okay then they they can ignore me so that's that's what drove her crazy uh, yeah. uh, frustrated mm -hmm. you know the, the days are passing and she's supposed to be recovering and how is she going to recover if she's going to be on the bed all day right so bless her heart well can I make a recommendation that uh, when you uh, when when I got out of college I worked for ten months in a nursing home. And I learned more in that 10 months than I've done in any 10 months of my life. What I suggest you do is that you, you, instead of just walking through the place and, you know, going to see your mom, find out who has control over the records and say to them, I, I would like to see what, what, what my mom's got, you know, what the regimen has been for my mom today. Because that forces them to realize that somebody's going to ask for that information. Yeah. And you damn well better have it. Yeah. And it's absolutely your, it's your, right. It's your right as the caretaker. Mm -hmm. You're 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 the only one that can stand up for your mom. 
and do it just you know don't do it like you're it's an interrogation just say look I, I really need to know um, you know this information um, because I want to be able to talk to my mother and and know what she's gone through so can I can I see this and if they say no you can't then say well can I see a supervisor to get permission to see this yes what mm -hmm. I'm saying and um, force them into realizing that there's somebody that's going to be checking up on them because mm -hmm. that's that's what they that's what they get away with you know it was like I'll give you an example um, I worked the night shift so I came in at like midnight and worked until late in the morning um, we had this woman that was pretty near 100 years old her name was Rose and she was just she was she was a black lady and she was just the sweetest had this sweet sweet energy you know i mean just amazing so i come in and i was like a charge nurse i was you know not a nurse but i was i was the one running the floor um at the floor i was on in that time no i wasn't i was from another floor but i'd go up there and yeah i i wasn't in charge of that floor but i was in charge of the patients so, you know I mean I was dealing with the patients and I get that in the morning <clears throat> they're talking about that Rose beat up two attendants two daytime oh. nursing aides oh my god and I'm going like this she couldn't possibly I mean well, I can't she was littler than I was so um, in the morning when I got her up and she was awake I said to her and everybody, nobody could understand her, oh. and I, but I could, because I was, I, that's where I learned to listen, to really listen. And so I said, Rose, what happened? Did you have a fight? And yes, and she told me what these people had been saying to her. They'd been abusing her and calling her all sorts of names. Oh, my gosh. The N-word and everything else. <gasps> So if she finally got to a point that she just, you know, beat the crap out of them. <laughs> so, so I, uh, and she told me their names. And so I went up to those two of them. And I went up to them uh, individually, actually. And I said, you know, you people misunder really, really didn't know that Rose was completely together and could tell me what happened. And I know, and I repeated what she had told me. And, oh, my God, they got so scared because they were sure I was going to report them. Yeah. You know, um, I said, I'm not going to report you. I said, but I'm going to ask Rose if you were taking care of her. And you damn well better make sure that she's your favorite, your favorite patient. And you do everything that she needs to do. Uh, and it, you know, it worked. We never had any more problems with it. But that, that's part there. The, in, is it in, when you're anonymous, they, they do these things when they don't think they're going to get caught. But that patient could tell me exactly what was happening. They got caught. And there's such little cockroaches that, Oh my God, they turned on the light. Oh my God, oh my God, the light's on. You know, so now they're, they're ultra concerned about doing the right thing because they know now that the light's on. Mm. So that's why I'm telling you to do this, Walt.
Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. And I hope that helped anybody else who's got family. All you have to do is show an interest and your loved one will be taken care of. You turn the light on. Yeah. By that she means you uh, made it known that you're paying attention. Right. Yeah. Right, because most of these people go in there and they've got nobody to advocate for them. None. I feel so bad for those patients. Those are the ones that I took extra special care of because I yeah. knew they could be getting abused and I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a... Well, I don't want to talk about it because it's, I, I met so many wonderful people. I, I guess that's why I have a different concept of death and dying. There's nothing wrong with death, but dying can be a bitch, you know, because of having that experience of being with people in their, in their last you know, days on the, on the earth. And I'll tell you, what, the thing that, the, the major thing that I took away is that, and we had, I think, over 300 patients and it was like three floors. And I was, I start, you start out in the second floor, which is the ones that are really on their way out. And the first floor, they're, they're, it's like a, you know, they just are living there. They're a little bit of watching them, but nothing much. And the third floor is a mix of the, of the two. So I would, you know, I was on all those three floors, depending on the night. And so I got to interact with, uh, yes, they're sleeping, but we have to, you know, wake them up in the nighttime just to take vitals and stuff like that. But it was the morning time when we're getting them up that I really interacted. Like I had this one patient and um, I'd have to say, we're going to school now. Get ready to go to school because she could only remember her childhood. Oh, yeah. Her, her short her memory was totally, sh you know, gone. Yeah. So you had to, you know, uh, deal with it that way. But I, I had a lot of interaction with different varieties of people in different stages in the later years. And the one thing, somebody's got a mic open. Oh, the, I do. The one thing that um, really became apparent to me was the way that certain people lived their lives because I never heard one person say I'm sorry I did this this or this never once but I had most of them say to me I'm sorry I didn't didn't do didn't do didn't do you know and so when I and I was like what 21 at the time so I went through my life remembering that lesson that I had learned during that 11 months and when somebody would say oh let's go do something I'd go oh crap I don't want to do that and then I'd hear one of those people telling me I'm sorry I didn't and I'd go oh all right let's do it <laughs> so I did a lot of things in my life that I really didn't want to do but I did them and, it, you know, I, I there's nothing in my life that I want that I can say I'm sorry I didn't do nothing, uh, you know, because of, of that early lesson, you know, just do it <laughs> so you can say you did it <clears throat> anyway. And little. you get the reward of having done it for yourself. You 
because you feel better about yourself because you can look at the patient and you can feel uh, their reactions when you're doing this thing you didn't really want to do, but when they would react to it, oh, I got goosebumps right now. I would feel so good about myself that I did that for them. It, it just made me so happy seeing them happy. Yeah, I was I was always thanking them. Yes, yeah. There was always they gave me much more than I gave them, and you know, oh, I could tell you stories. Oh God, <laughs> there was some wild stories about that place. I'll tell you. I also believe in the full moon having um, some kind of a psychological happening in people because. On full moons, that place was spooky as hell. I'm there in the middle of the night, and we've got patients who are up and walking around that have never, we've never seen them walk. You know, <clears throat> there was always more health issues. There was always more behavioral issues. It was, And these are, <laughs> you know, these people are, are pretty wounded warriors. Um now I know what why that that happens and what the cause of it is. But uh, yeah, so many little things that I learned from that place. Yeah, I worked in the nursing office um, at night for the nursing supervisor, and on full moon night, the during the day of a full moon, gonna be night the hospital would prepare for it. The emergency room had extra staff, extra supplies, that kind of thing. The uh, labor and delivery had extra supplies, extra nurses, extra doctors on call um, because of the full moon and things happen. (laughs) Crazy, weird things that you would never think of. (laughs) It happened. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Now, one of the weird things that well, there are a lot of weird things, but I remember this because again, I'm I'm going from you know night shift into the day, and I remember this one night. It, there's a there's a just before dawn. You know, they talk about just before dawn. Well, just before dawn, there was definitely energy changes. I mean, I wasn't that educated in energy changes, but it was just such a different feel when you got closer and closer to dawn. And this one night, I was um, in a room, and I could see the sky, and the east sky where the, where the sun was coming up. And it still was out by probably 45 minutes, maybe, uh, before you would actually see the ball in the air. And I look at the sky, and it was all fluorescent. I've never seen. And <clears throat> since then, I had another job for 25 years, same night shift thing. I've never seen this before. And it was just this fluorescent sky, and there was green, and there was co- colors you don't normally attribute to sunrise. And This is in Massachusetts or in, in Florida? No, this was in Massachusetts. Oh. Okay, now, Walt, have you ever heard of the green... Uh, the green light at sunrise. Well, I I know that's caused by the uh, by the lights that you see in the uh, in the northern hemisphere. By the 
but I'm not that far south to be. No, in, in, no, no. This is this is another phenomenon because mm. for some reason, my I, my dad and I got talking about this green light of at sunrise because he had been in I think the Bahamas. I it might have even been Haiti, but he was in the Caribbean, and he got up early just before dawn and he sees this green light. And so he started talking to the people. He was at a conference, talking to the people at the conference and telling them, yeah, I saw this green light. And they all told him he was crazy. And it took him years because this is well before the Internet. But he finally found an article regarding this particular phenomena that sailors often see. Um, but it's, yes, it's... Uh, it's an interesting. Well, in, in a way, it it it, it uh, corresponds to the uh, one of the explanations of uh, Dr. Costa. He would say that the natural color of the atmosphere it's supposed to be green, not blue. He says the reason that it became blue is because there's so much thought energy in the atmosphere. He said. So he said. How, the, what kind the, of energy in the atmosphere? Thought energy. It, thought. He says the reason the sky looks blue is because there's so much thought energy. In reality, the sky is supposed to be green. This is a green world. It's it's blue because there's been so much thinking. People have been driven to, and and, and that's true because uh, when you read uh, the the explanations in human design, we're not supposed to be so focused on thinking all the time, thinking, think, and think. Well, that's because we were driven to that. In fact. We were so our our center of consciousness is supposed to be the heart, not the brain, but that was changed also. They moved it so that people always focus on thinking. So now now I, now I understand why. So in, so the, the 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 planetary color changed because people were driven to think all the time. So it's interesting that you were uh, at a particular time in the day you were able to witness the natural color. It's supposed to be green. I might have to look that up and see if there's any more information on that. Don't my dad know? But he was so proud of himself. My father, my father. I don't know that you'll believe this, but he was never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> imagine that. Imagine, imagine me saying that about my father. Oh, I can't believe that. <laughs> yeah. You inherited it well. <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> I was thinking about him uh, just recently because of this turmoil on the universities. And when I was uh, a senior in the University of Massachusetts, that was when there was uh, an uproar, an explosion of uh, protests all over the campuses of the United States regarding the Kent State killings on May 4th, <clears throat> 1970. And there was this massive uprising. And I mean, it was, the schools were shut down. It was just amazing. But what they wanted us to do as seniors is not to attend the graduation in protest. So I called my, their, my parents' house number and my father answered. He was never the one that answered. I thought I was gonna talk to my mother. But I got to talk to him and tell him why he shouldn't bother coming to the graduation because I wasn't going to attend it. 
And so he, he diligently listened to everything I said. And then he said to me, I understand. I understand. I know you're right. But that's not the way the world works. That's all he said. And it was a profound change in me because it was like the man was never wrong. <laughs> so if, if he's telling me that he agrees with me, but you can't make the changes, it's impossible. I thought, well, if my father thinks that and he knows a lot of things, then there's something very wrong with the fabric of the society. And I will change it. I will make it possible to make the changes. And But that was from a liberal standpoint, you know. We, we were seeing it very much from a... Oh, first off, the, 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 the freedom. We understood freedom. The right to protest, the right... We weren't into carrying guns or any of that sort of thing. But, you know, we understood the fabric of the Constitution that gave us these inalienable rights. It, because we we were still young. We still ta were taught that as, in elementary school. Um, and in high school, <clears throat> some of us. Um, so... It, w it was a protest against something that was going wrong. And as I see all these protests out there, I'm looking at them, them and I'm going like, oh, man, you are such stupid people because you're screaming and you're hollering. And if you were, it reminds me of Dick Gregory. He was a comedian. And at the time of this all happening, he left his comedy uh, route, but he was still on the university, still talking, but he was talking about, you know, the 60s generation going into revolt. And he and it was mostly over Vietnam. That, that was a, uh, we didn't, none of us believed that that was a war that should be fought. And he, he said something again, I never forgot. He said, look it, he said, the tally on this war thus far is that for every person we kill it's costing us fifty thousand dollars he said if this democracy was so important so wonderful that we're killing people at the cost of fifty thousand dollars to make them agree to this government why wouldn't why would we do that if it was such a good government such a good way of, of governing what they would want it wouldn't they he said, I, if I had $50,000 and I put it on my front porch, I wouldn't have to take a gun and tell my neighbors, take the money. You know what I'm saying? That's what he said. And it was like, yeah, yeah, you know. we. So it, it's sort of like I've always felt that if, if we could get back to the Constitution, if we could get back to our roots, that we would get on firm ground again. But because I, in my opinion, since the Civil War, virtually every single rule, regulation, law that they passed is unconstitutional. Um, I mean, we guys just got to throw the whole everything that they've done since the Civil War, probably before that, just throw it all out and start again, using the Constitution as your framework as the structure for the government and only for instance the constitution gives the federal government very limited rights 
Okay, it's like the the right to build the post office, the right to build the railroads, the right to build the infrastructure for all of the states at that time, in the beginning, 13. Um, and to be the representative of the federation of states in regards to foreign operations, that type of thing. They had no right to tax. They had no right to uh, simply come into a state and say, I'm going to call that federal land and I'm taking it from you. No right whatsoever. None. The only land that they were given permission by the Constitution to own was the District of Columbia, 10 square miles. And so th this government, was, it was the way that the Constitution was set up was to limit the government. And by disregarding the Constitution, they have built this this horrible thing that's strangling us. And, you know, my dad was right. It's been a very, very difficult fight. But he didn't know what I know now. I certainly didn't. Uh, well, I had an inkling of it, that there is an evil. It's a battle between good and evil. It's not just what's the best economy or what's the best government, the way of, you know, governing. What's, up, what's the best? It's not that at all. It's the only way that any of these things work, particularly the Constitution of the United States, is by the goodwill of the people. So, yeah, Dad was right. But I'm glad he's not around to see what happened. <laughs> I think he'd be on my side. He probably His kids probably wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he'd probably be on the outs. He'd probably be an old man in some nursing old hole, you know, nursing home hole, you know, babbling about, I shouldn't have listened to Nancy. <laughs> because he, he's, he's one of the few people in my family that has actually read my book, Cosmic Reality. And, and when, when I went up there after he had read it, um, six times, I know he said it six times. He said to me, he just turned and, you know, he's driving the car and he turned and he'd look at me and then he'd say, how did you know all that? Six times he asked me that same question, how did you know all that? Or how do you know all that? And I said, Dad, I'm a researcher. And you got some of his genes in you. <laughs> yeah, I got a, got a lot of his genes in me. Yeah. You should have I mean, told the, him. Couldn't you tell them the truth? I've been on this planet for several thousand years, so this is a this is an old hat for me. No, because that he that would, he would. I, well, I don't know. I never broached it with him. I found out after my mother died that she and my nephew would often talk about reincarnation. I had no idea that woman believed in reincarnation. I thought back on some of the conversations I had with her, and I went, oh, well, that kind of makes sense. Because one time we were, I, I was in college, I was taking uh, adolescent psychology, and we were having a conversation about uh, the importance. I was, I was talking, she was listening, she was driving, and um, it was the uh, con consideration of what is dominating in a personality, their genetic makeup or their environment. And so I'm I'm talking about both, you know, concepts. And my mother said to me, oh, neither of those work. And I said, what? And she said, nope. 
she said, I've got, at that point she had like eight kids. She said, I've got eight kids and I can tell you that within days of them arriving, I can see their personalities and every personality is different. She said, if it was environment, I wouldn't see that personality that fast. And it would be similar to all the rest because you're growing up with the same parents in the same house in the same environment and your genetics are all the same. Why do I see these personality changes? And I bet right then and there she was thinking reincarnation. I think that woman knew a lot. See, she wasn't one that you could sit down like a friend or even somebody you don't even know and have a conversation with. She always pretty much kept to herself, except every once in a while she'd zing me these <laughs> amazing things to make me go, oh, well, that's interesting, you know. She, I think she probably was brilliant, and I just, you know, she just didn't share that with her kids. That was well, she thing. was too, too busy. She was too busy. She was too busy. But it's also a generation where I think she was brought up with parents that she probably felt like she didn't really know them she was a six the youngest of six kids and that's what i feel about my parents i lived with them for all that time but i don't i don't know them like i know you walt or you dolly so it's um it's interesting so and what else my, you oh, my mom and i talked about everything did you she knew that i could uh, read she, and she would even ask me uh, to uh, talk to some whoever at that time so we we knew every shared everything together uh, and I think she enjoyed it because she wasn't all that much like the rest of the uh, beings in the family I was raised in so I, I really enjoyed her, especially in the la later years before she uh, got her dementia. I just wanted to share that. I can go back to Dave. Oh, I need to give you an update on my eyes, remember? Last week I said I was going to work on, uh, I was going to say it, my eyes will be healed by next Tuesday. Well, I got to tell you, every day my eye, my left eye especially, would get a little bit better. And my right eye, my right eye is fantastic. It's not 20-20, but my right eye is fantastic. My left eye, I still have a black spot and uh, I can't see as good as I wanted to. But I'm seeing so much better, and all I did was set that intention out. So y'all might might want to try that. Set a goal for when you want something to be better, and just think about it every once in a while. When you think about the goal, just think about it and see it well. That's what I did. So there's my report on my eyes. Now, um... That's Donald Trump. Where's Dave? Black hole. Oh, I wanted to talk about that black hole thing y'all were talking about this morning. Here's Dave. Here's what he said Saturday, 11-11. Uh, 
<clears throat> he says, wait a minute. Okay, thank you, Dave. Thank you. Uh, don't believe everything you see and or hear. Netanyahu has been converted to being a good guy, a white hat. There is a reason why we are seeing and hearing what we are these days, referring to atrocities on both sides. Things are being shown to get certain reactions, especially from certain people, and it's not people that we would think of or know even existed. It's beings that are in higher places that we know exist, don't know exist. Sorry about that, Dave. I've boo-booed right there. And deeper, darker, more evil beings than we know exist. That's why we're seeing 80% of the things we are seeing. Targeting toward beings we don't know exist is being done by the good guys toward the evil guys. Those beings are seeing and hearing more than we do within the broadcasts that are being shown. The, the white hats are giving messages to the bad entities in those broadcasts that we cannot see. The way it is being presented is targeting towards those beings. We must at this time be strong in what is being shown. Again, don't believe everything you see and hear. That statement is important for us to realize and adhere to. The don't believe everything you see and hear. There's things going on behind the scenes, Dave is saying. Um, and well, it's Dali, let me, please let, forgive me. Let me interrupt you for just a second. Uh, shouldn't we not be told this? Because isn't isn't that a negative thing? Revealing what's what they're doing. He's telling you what he can, well, like he does. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. I have it typed out, and he and I are calmer today. <laughs> <laughs> For instance, when we are seeing a baby being beheaded, the bad ones are seeing more behind and within what is being shown to us. It is helping to break them down in different ways than we know about or our minds can comprehend. So they're seeing different messages within what we are seeing that we think is looking awful so bad. But remember, there's, what do they call that, uh, green screen stuff and movie uh, special effects and things like that. And there's even more than what we know about that can look, um, what do you say? It can look more real than what we uh, anticipate that we would ever see. It isn't real. Okay, back to this. When we look at a battle, 
We see sides trying to maim and kill each other with weapons of one sort or another. When the bad ones are seeing the broadcast, they are seeing and hearing and feeling differently than we do about what they're seeing. They are seeing it's all a waste and not the outcome they desire. The way they look at the surf sacrifice of children is that according to their religion, the child is a gift to their Satan God, not an atrocity to people. The people's feelings are not their concern. They are actually giving the child as a gift to their Satan God. Dave says, the 40 children who were being shown as having been killed were not killed. So y'all can rest about that. It was a movie type of broadcast. The children are okay. Only one person supposedly witnessed it, and it turned out to be proven to be a lie. Ergo, don't believe everything you see or hear. There are babies that were brutally killed that day, but it wasn't as being presented to us. Dave says, we don't understand now and might not ever understand the dark things that are happening and that are made to happen. Our minds are not programmed to think nor understand those things. We are here at this time to help keep each other sane whilst these battles are raging. We are an integral part of this war. We aren't able to mentally hold up to nor understand some of the things happening, and we weren't meant to in the first place. We are here to help each other get through it and to help in the battles in the ways we can, sending out love to each other, the good angels and the bad entities uh, is the most important thing we can do, sending out the love to to the good angels and the bad angels and each other is the most important thing we can do. Send love to everything and everyone. Love aids good beings and harms evil. It, it kind of, he's showing me right now, uh, like I see the blanket, but he's showing me that when we throw them love, they're blanketed in, uh, and, and they're being held back, and they, it stuns, it's like it stuns them into inaction. They cannot act with this love around them. So uh, it, it, it's a weapon in its own way. So by sharing love, we are abundantly helping with the good versus bad war that is occurring and is a necessity for all life. I don't know why the war is a necessity for all life, but see, I'm not meant to understand everything. He says to not get discouraged. What is happening is really good, even though it looks at times to be the pit of hell. It's our job to witness things happening. 
we are going to start to see and feel that it's going to be okay. Hold on to your soul. This is a precarious time for souls. Don't be tricked into giving your soul to Satan and his minions. It is foretold that Satan is going to lose, and he is terrified and fighting with all the evil he can muster up. Don't forget love. And that's what he wanted to share with us. Questions? Very good. Cool. I feel better. He feels better. That makes me feel better. Uh, he's happy. He's very happy. He says, Walt, I hope this exceeds what your expectations were. Well, this sounds like the, this really, I know this expression has been used in the past, but I think this this one is different, is that uh, it really is the war to end all wars, isn't it? Yes. It is. Is he finished? Yes. Okay, I hope he sticks around because I want to kind of run something by him. <clears throat> He's ready anytime you are, he says. <laughs> He's okay, really so excited today, so this is a good day. That's because Jan's not here. <laughs> I didn't want to say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, she doesn't watch the show. <laughs> um. Okay, so I have this uh, this idea, this theory, and it goes back to the fact that all my life I've been following these little clues, and some of those clues have come from the Bible. So, whereas I'm not exactly sure what they mean when they say that it's written by God, I think that it's the words of God very often being translated by people who are listening to God. So, I think there is a tremendous amount of actual information in it but on top of that you have a whole bunch of millions of trillions of people that really believe that it is the word of god and there's a lot of power behind it because they believe in it so much so i have to take very seriously plus you find that if you look at mythology there's always a some story that's true about the mythology and in the case of the bible in genesis it goes down to that really critical situation where Eve is convinced by whatever reptilian devil or the devil or whatever, the snake, when the snake is a representation of transition, of transformation. So let's just not get behind it's a devil or it's anything else. It's simply a symbol of would you like to transform? You know, that it, to me, it's not evil, it's not good, it's just a, oh yeah, here's a sign to say, if you go down this road, you're going to transform. If you don't, you're going to stay the same. You know, it's the red pill, blue pill thing. So, she says, he says, why won't you eat from the tree of knowledge? And Eve replies, well, because God told us not to. And, you know, the devil says, well, of course God told you not to do that. Because if you eat from the tree of knowledge, you will be like God's and know the difference between good and evil. Now, that that's the critical thing that comes about from that 
little Bible uh, story. So you can figure out the difference between good and evil. And I think that's where we are. The concept of, of, you know, tree of knowledge, what's that mean? It means that you walk away from the gifts that God has given us in the Garden of Eden. You walk away from it and you go into the book of life. And if you actually, God said in the, in the Bible, I believe it's translated that you will, you will, uh, I'm throwing you out of the Garden of Eden um, and you're going to live the tree of life. You're going to eat from the tree of life. So, but it's the same concept, life, tree of life, you know, experience. So you want to have the, you want to know knowledge. Well, the only way you're going to get the knowledge is to experience it. So get the hell out of paradise here and go play in that terrible world that you just wanted to get into because you want to be like a god well that's going to make you a god is knowing the difference between good and evil so have fun see you in a few millennium and off we go to play the game of life and now we're getting to the very very end of it everything is saying you know it's the the rapture the you know the second coming uh, Armageddon, uh, Apocalypse Now, I mean, it's all like, oh my God, this is crazy ass. But that's forcing us into uh, the realization that we're in a spiritual battle, and it's one between good and evil. But what is the difference between good and evil? And what is good and evil? Because we can say uh, that Hamas, Hamas, those those terrible people, they they did all that bad, bad stuff. Okay? Well, okay, but those people that did that, and I said this right from the beginning. I got with a friend of mine that's uh prior military. Well, we're still military. We never let we never gave up on our vows. Um but he he and I both realized that the only re- way that you would get the kind of soldiers that were being depicted in the uh, the stories that were coming out on the October 7th, that those stories would have been about people who were on drugs. And yes, they found those drugs on, uh, on the uh, bodies of the Hamas. And what it is, is it's like a, a, an amphetamine, but it's called the poor man's cocaine. And it just creates a psychotic break in in the person. So are those people really evil? Or were they brought to do evil actions because of the drugs? Never mind the brainwashing that they got, but we're just we're just focusing in on drugs. And so the more I started to think about this, I'm going like, wow, this thing about good and evil seemed to be pretty you know easy to understand, but now if you look at all the ramifications, the evil things we see, well, how did they come about? Who was doing it? Is evil something that exists in every human being? There is that concept of, what are they calling it? I don't even remember that you've got this uh, thing inside you that wants you to do bad. What the hell were that? We did a sh- sh- part of a show on it. The Matigo thing, Batigo something. Now, what was that? It was Matigo or Gatigo or something. It sounded, it sounded like that. It was right. A, right. 
Right. It was a an a, an an Indian concept where oh the, yes yes the person, yes the person has a, another entity that's always inspiring you to do negative things. Right. I can't think of his first name, but his last name is Henderson. Uh, and it actually it, it actually dovetails into the concept of the not self mind because if you follow the not self mind you're always going to be wrong because it doesn't it doesn't it never inspires you to do the right thing but if you listen to your inner authority you're always going to be you're never going to make a mistake you're going to turn into Nancy Hopkins. <laughs> Well, that 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 that's, but that, you know, I mean, these these are the questions that were, I think, now in a in a time frame, place, and space, that we can actually begin to grapple with this kind of concept, you know. And um, I don't know what the answers are. I just am throwing well, it out to, to talk about it. Common sense, for example. Okay, Let, let's talk about. Okay, what is good and evil? Okay. If you compare, okay, what is good and evil? Should I be following my own inner authority or should I be lis listening to the rules and regulation of the church? Uh, that's a no-brainer. I listen to the church, you're going to be, you, it's going to send you the wrong way because does the church know what, who you are, what you are, what being you are? No. It just knows the rules and regulations that you're supposed to obey, which, by the way, they don't. <laughs> so right then and there, you get, that's a, a good comparison of good and evil. You're being told to follow rules that are no good for anybody, not for you, not for anybody. So that's that's good and evil. That's for, looks pretty straightforward for me. Not that big of a mystery. You're talking about a good and evil that I'm not talking about. I'm talking about the essence of good and evil. What allows good people to do bad things? Is it something inside of us? Is something outside of us? Is it circumstance that puts us into that position? I mean, you know, it's like some people will argue that the AI is going to be beneficial. There, I've been arguing for how long that the 5G is very damaging this this you know telecommunication system, and yet I know with the devices we already have, never mind the ones we can have, we're going to be able to reverse everything so that instead of this negative energy coming off of the power system, it's going to be healing energy. So you take something that's very bad, and you make it right. So at the core of it, it's always the intention. What what's the intention of something that makes it good or bad? It's like that's why I think that it's so hard to kind of like stay on track with the. Well, a, again, let's okay. You want to talk about physical things? Okay, let's talk about their idea that they re they engineer they they the uh, deliberately. They change all the technical knowledge on the uh, electricity and the use of electricity in such a way so that it's taught incorrectly. So that's if, if that's good and evil, that's that's evil. You're teaching people how to use electricity incorrectly on purpose. So that by itself, by definition, that's evil. 
because you're teaching people to use uh, electricity incorrectly to benefit somebody, not us, because it's not benefiting me, it's benefiting some entity who's making a killing out of us using incorrectly the use of electricity. So but that's, that's, a, that's, an, that's an evil act. I want to put evil in a jar and look at it. But we'll do that in the second hour. <laughs> because <laughs> we're kind of at the top of the hour. Oh my gosh, that went fast. And welcome back to Cosmic Reality Second Hour on November 14th, 2023. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Walt Silva and Dolly Howard. I'm assuming they're back. Are they back? I'm back. I'm back. I never left. I love this song. <laughs> I know. Just as such a changes the mood, you know, whatever's yeah. happening. Just like, yeah. oh, yes. you know, fresh. We got a new, new sh- one hour show here. What would you like to, um, is there more on your list? Oh, yeah. There's a shitload more. Go for it. Uh, um, what, before we forget, well, before we forget, um, did you look at any of the uh, video that was taken on the uh, protests for Israel, pro-Israel, uh, no. at Washington? Wow, it was very impressive. What a difference in the look of everything. You know, the the comments were, you know, at one end is the C- Congressional House, you know, the big dome thing. And at yeah. the other end, at the other end is the Washington Monument. Well, if you know the Lincoln Monument, and if you look at this 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 common area, I've been there. I was there on July fourth for the two hundredth uh, anniversary of the country, and it, it's it's a sizable amount of of real estate. As far as you could see, people they've estimated over a hundred thousand people. They were not. I didn't see signs. They weren't loud. Yeah, there were some signs, but the signs were saying from Miami, from you know San Francisco, all over the country, and sometimes I, I think there was a few countries. Um, but it was peaceful. It was like just such a different presentation of how you make your your yourself known. It really was impressive, and uh, some of the. <clears throat> The speaker talked, so didn't uh, Schumer, and Schumer is of course a Jew, but he's the first. He's, he's a he holds the highest leadership position in the United States congressional government, um, and he's the first Jew to you know the first Jew to be in these positions. So he he was talking <clears throat> he was talking as a Jew, and it was the first time I ever actually listened to him. You know, that he made sense, that he seemed like a real person. And there was a few others, but it was very impressive. And I think that the next time somebody turns on the television and sees these Hamas protesting things, if they they probably didn't show it anyplace else except Fox, but those people that saw what happened today there, um, you know, the, the it's a stark contrast by... You know, that, talking about good and evil, there was good today, you know, and the evil protesting that's been going on. But I just wanted to acknowledge that. Oh, God, that sounds good. I can't, this is going to sound very, very stupid of me, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ask it. I get confused with who's the good guy. 
Israel or Palestine, or are Israel and Palestine the same thing? Can you explain that to me? You have the Palestinian people that were nomadic, that lived through that area that is now uh, the West Bank, the Gaza Strip, and where Israel is. So, and, you know, up into Lebanon and Syria and stuff, but it was a nomadic group of people. Those people could not organize to stop the giveaway of what was considered by Western world, the British Empire, to create the state of Israel, the nation of Israel. So, in the middle of this nomadic group of people, who we now call the Palestinians, all right, you created the Israeli state. Now, within the Palestinians, you have, like I say, separation in the into different areas, and those areas are run by different governments. In the case of Gaza, it was Hamas, and everybody says, "Well, they they voted for for Hamas to be the government." Well, that was back in 06. I mean, that's 18 years ago. You got kids that were infants who have never even voted. You've got 18 years old at that time who are now 36, and they've never voted again. So the fact that they voted back then doesn't mean shit. They never got another chance to throw them out. They didn't. I mean, they, you know, it's easy to make promises. Mm. Um, so what you've got is the Hamas in Gaza is the governing body of those people in, uh, wait, which people, the the Palestinians, when they say Palestinians in Gaza, it's really the Hamas that are the government. They are governing, they're controlling it. Oh, okay. And they're the terrorists. Oh, okay. So. People over here, they beg for money for Palestine, and people give it, the government gives it, and that money goes into the hands of Hamas that says, oh yes, we're going to build hospitals and we're going to build infrastructure and all that, and they do none of that. It goes into building these tunnels that are some 300 miles long, and under under hospitals and schools, and they found a, a, a tunnel entrance in the bedroom of a little girl oh jeez you know I, I mean like this is what the Hamas did and if you disagreed with them they'd shoot you if you were homosexual oh. they'd shoot you um, you know I mean if you were well if you disagreed with them boom you're dead you're gone you know that it was it's a terrible terrible place under Hamas but that doesn't mean the Palestinians there are terrible people they're, they're victims just like the Jews are in Pal- in Israel. Because, again, uh, you know, we got to go back to the dark side that started this thing up. But let's just talk about the people. Um, I know people that tell me that Israeli people are terrible. And I'm like, okay, but I've met Israeli people and they don't think they're terrible. So you have all sorts of opinions about who the Israelis are. But the Israelis are very much like 
the United States was. It's people from all over the world. Yes, they're Jewish, but they're from all over the world. So I see it more as a melting pot of cultures and society. It's pretty unique. But to me, the, the basic good side of humanity is what most people are. Most Israelis are good. Most Palestinians are good. Let's just talk about the Gaza ones right now. And then you have probably the government of Israel and a lot of the, the terrible Kassarian mafia crap that is interwoven in all of this story. But you also have the Hamas. And those people are doing evil things. They're evil. They're basically out for whatever they want for themselves or whatever their crazy-ass theory is. Um, but their ultimate goal is to destroy, completely genocide the Jewish people. That's that's the difference. But they're doing that to their own people. The um, Israelis has surrounded a hospital, and the, underneath the hospital is virtually the headquarters of where the Hamas... Uh, military was, and I think the seat of government too, uh, you know, the fallback protection site was there too. But they got it surrounded and there's still patients being held in the hospital. The Israelis would like nothing better than for you to release everybody in the hospital and we'll get them, you know, we'll help them. Um, but Hamas won't let them out. They were running out of uh, uh, gas for the generators. So the Israelis brought up a whole bunch of tankers of gas for the hospital, and Hamas won't let them use it, the hospital use it. And babies on incubators have already perished. So this is collateral damage. Is this the fault of the Israeli army, or is this Hamas? I say that Israel, and this is what I was trying to get across to to Jana and say what, is that to me, the Israeli people are doing everything that they can do to protect the Palestinians. And one of those things is this corridor that where they're taking, letting people get out. And one of the people that, you know, are there, I can't even remember who it was, but they were talking about, they were being asked about the people that are leaving. What's their attitude towards the Israeli army? And what came back was that they're very scared. They all seem to be grateful that they're being let out and at least surviving, if with nothing, um, but that they're still scared. So they, they're not going to say, oh, you Israelis, thank you, thank you so much for doing this. Because they're, they're so traumatized in so many ways, the people themselves. But, you know, and I question, why is it that I can't seem to get this across, not only to Jan, but to other people that have said something to me about it? And I think it's my perspective. Because you asked, you know, who's, the, who's, who's doing what? Well, you got the... Hamas people that were up, drugged up, not, I think all of them were. I think it's a requirement to be in the, do what they did. 
So, so they're all drugged up. They're doing some terrible things that I believe did happen. This concept of a black flag. What do you think didn't happen? You know, I mean, this to me is like you can. I I don't go into all this that it's all staged. No, I don't think it's all staged. I think it was real. So you have that kind of evilness being, you know, leveled on Hamas. Then you've got the concept that even though the Israelis were saw their people butchered by these crazy people, when Israel goes in to get rid of these people, they now are up on humanitarian uh, charges because civilians are dying, but they're not targeting the civilians. The civilians are dying because the Hamas have got them trapped in that area using them as shields. In their own, in their own, nothing. I mean, these were civilian targets. They weren't trying to the collateral. This was to so this disparity between what is considered inhumane is kind of like perplexing and bizarre. But what I think is eating at the people that want to suppose that the supposed killing by Israel on the civilians is an intentional evil act are assuming that the military of Israel is full of crazy people who love to kill. And that, that's a complete rejection by me of humanity. I spent a couple years of my life writing a book entitled Battle Captain. And it's all about war. And it goes back over from World War II all the way up to when Bill Clinton was the president of the United States. And I did it because I had been like a mother confessor to a lot of Vietnam soldiers who told me stuff that they, they were murderers. And, you know, they confessed. I had like four of them. I'm not even going to get into it, but it brought to mind, brought me into a state of what happens to the mind of a, of a soldier. You know, you think you know, but then I haven't been in combat, so, I mean, in this lifetime, so I'm not sure what it is. And then I started getting these stories. And then I got led to these books that were diaries from the German army, the uh, people that were in the Ukraine. Uh, during World War II, and the stories that they were telling were so bizarre and unbelievable that, you know, it was like, by the end of writing this novel, I came to a conclusion. And the conclusion is that you've got only two type of soldiers. You've got the soldier that loves war, loves killing. They're psychopathic psychos. But the rest of the people, the people that I know, the people who are my comrades, my brothers, my sisters, are patriots. What's the difference? The difference is that a patriot is doing the things that they don't want to do to protect somebody else. Now, can a patriot be put into a situation where they just break down because of the environment into a psychotic break and, and turn into doing really bad things. Yes, that's that's what happened to those four people that confessed. But they knew they they knew it. And all they were looking for really was for somebody to forgive them.
So in the situation we have now, you don't have the time difference in that the kids that were being sent to Vietnam would be there for many months and sometimes extending into years. And they were thousands of miles away from their homes. And it was much easier in that environment to succumb to, you know, the psychotic breakdown of PTSD that they get in a combat war situation. Hold one second. Did we lose Nancy? No, I just had to cough. Oh. Um, so, so, so what I'm saying here is that it's not likely that the soldiers that are Israeli soldiers, a couple of hundred miles from their hometowns, they can pick up the telephone and call home. That, and, and they're going to probably go home. I mean, some of the some of some of the initial. Uh, incursions into Gaza were limited and people were being sent back to their families for the weekend or a couple of days. It was a, so they were continually interacting with the very people that they want to save. So if you want to feel like every so, because this is what I came to, is that people that, that think that the Israelis are doing all this stuff because they're full of hate and stuff, they don't know soldiers. I don't know what they think soldiers do or how they think, but soldiers are patriots. And I think that was my, what's my perspective on what I was seeing. And I think that they didn't have that perspective. So I, I didn't understand what, what they were saying to me. Why, why are you saying this to me? Why do you think that's going to happen? In my experience, in my knowledge, in my studies of the psychological conditioning of, of combat veterans, um, I don't see that happening. So, again, uh, you know, I'm just pointing out that it's like Dave says, don't believe everything you see, but also don't believe everything you think. Soldiers are not bad people. They don't go to war because they like it. Some of them do, yes. But the vast majority are people that believe that they are helping out others in taking on the role that they take on. So I just wanted to throw that out in defense of the militaries all over the world. Is it but, raining where you are? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, when I get off of the show, I've got to probably move the car over to Sandy's house simply because it's going to be raining for the next two days. Ooh. Um, but if it doesn't look like it's going to be a night thing, I might wait until daytime because trying to get out of this yard at night backing up, and normally I would back the car in, but we've been in a dry spell, and I had to unload the groceries, so it's, it's I have to back out, and, you know, there's no lights out there, and it's, uh, it's and then it's raining. <laughs> you can't see, I mean, so... Uh, I'm hoping that it'll, it didn't, when I looked at it, yeah, it looks like rain, but it looked like it had breaks in it and stuff, so, anyway, yes, pretty loud, huh? Mm. Yeah, pretty loud. Um, we had rain last night and a little bit on and off today, but the skies are still cloudy. Yeah, well, we're supposed to be in the dry season, so. Yeah. 
<laughs> I and haven't noticed that. <laughs> and besides which, I have the eagle out there, so, you know, I can just tell the eagle, eagle. It hasn't been covered again? No, I check it on a regular basis. <laughs> but, you know, I, I've um, put etherically uh, the purple ray, the purple flame on top of the Surrey resonator that's on top of the eagle. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of it, I see this whole energy field, right? But when I go out there, I always get spooked because something's missing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because I'm not looking at it. I'm 3D looking at it. And and there, where's the top of it, you know? What's on the top? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's an etheric top. And then, you know, second sight, you can see it. But it uh, spooks me often. Because <laughs> I don't go out there that often. I live on an acre of land in basically paradise. Except for the occasional floods. And, you know, that's a cleansing. Um... And I never am outside. <laughs> I'm always, you know, six feet from the computer or on top of it. So what do you got next, Dolly? Oh, okay. Let me pull that up again. This is an update on Trump's trial with the New York judge, N. Goran, in the appeals court. She's judge, also known as Judge Nincompoop in Dolly World. Uh, this was Donald J. Trump posts from his Truth Social at 8.24 a.m. Eastern Time, 11.1.23. And then it got posted into X uh, on November 13, which was yesterday at 10.54 a.m. My son's birthday was yesterday. So was my grandson's. Dalton was born on Russell's birthday. So here's what the, the article thing says. We, and it's Trump talking. We won Engoron in the appeals court, knocking out a big part of the case. But he then refused to accept their decision. He said, no. He is often overturned. One of the most and couldn't care less. I don't believe we even won a single motion during this entire excursion into the wilderness of crazy. The state won 100% of their motions, including the fastest trial date for such a case in memory, with no extensions for anything. I'm being railroaded at a level never seen before. When Cohen admitted the whole case was a lie, he didn't care. The judge didn't care. Think of it. We had a Perry Mason moment with their star witness, and the judge acted like nothing had happened, and then started screaming at us. He then put a ridiculous gag order on me which we will appeal. He finds me at levels never seen before. The AG's people are thrilled, but can't believe it is happening. Engoron is crazy, totally unhinged and dangerous. I agree. He's freaking evil. Our, our judicial system 
has gone to hell. So they won that case, but the judge won't accept it. Because <laughs> the, the, it was overturned. This well, just, just, just remind people that this is the judge who took a selfie of his bare torso and put it on an internet, an internet site for college students. He's sick. <laughs> he yes. really is. Oh, sick. What, what does it take to render him incompetent? A gunshot to the head. Oh, I guess. Simple. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because at, at some point some of that crazy behavior should di di disqualify him from even doing what he does it for a living well you would have thought it would have happened a long time ago Walt because it sounds like he's done this for years on years oh yeah well the whole town is full of democrats <clears throat> So you just, you know, they just give him a pass. Um, if it, <clears throat> if he doesn't believe in the appellate court, then the Supreme Court will take it um, on. It's all a matter of timing. Because if this can be turned over, because he said 100, 100 points were, that doesn't mean the major thing was, that it should be a mistrial. They didn't, I don't think they said that. Otherwise, he would have, I'm sure, it would have been a cease and desist. Who knows? Because he seems to be totally rogue and doing whatever he wants. So it's all show at this point. But as that's, soon as... as that's soon as what it, I think it is exactly, is show. Yeah. As soon as it gets tossed out, then, okay, so those people that have stayed with Trump because they thought he was being ramrodded here... They were right on the first one. Now let's get to the next one. You know, and, um, you know, the Democrats are just playing. Just give us, they got 99 uh, points that they could get him, and you know, find him guilty on. And they're all, just get a, give, give us one, please. Just give us one. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> it's crazy. There it's were crazy. Republicans who voted against uh, ousting, impeaching that uh, Mayorkas dude. Yeah. Demo uh, Republicans voting <coughs> against impeaching him. <laughs> I'm not going to say the words because I don't want to put it into the universe. But uh, it kind of upsets me. It's just more, <clears throat> more of the uniparty being seen. Yes. One party. Yeah. It's not Republican. It's not Democrats. Every time they're, they're yelling about uh, a Democrat or a Republican, it's because they're not playing. They're not part of the unit. I mean, like the squad. As much as I detest their politics, their philosophy of life, they still are a fringe that's making the rest of them a little crazy. <laughs> you know? They're not yeah. playing the I think some of them are starting to play the game, like AOC. She hasn't been that vocal lately. You know, she's I think probably been bought off. But but yeah, the the rhinos are just showing their their faces. 
Yeah, they are. Okay, another thing I have here is you, y'all on uh, what's this, a Shungite show this morning mentioned a black hole in the middle of the universe. And I got excited about that because I've, I keep wondering, when they shoot the rocket ships off, how, if we have a dome over the Earth, how do the rocket ships get beyond the dome without cracking it to pieces? And then you mentioned this black hole in the middle of the universe. So I thought, oh, is that why they have designated dates and times that they send the rocket ships up and they come back down, this, uh, the pieces, that the boosters come back down? So um, I wanted to throw that question out. But then Walt said, what's a rocket ship? No, what rocket ship were you referring to? All of them. I, I wasn't aware that uh, the, the, the Americans were shooting rockets left and right. Oh, well, yes, they are. We, our house gets boomed all the time. It's the sonic boom. It's a boom from when they blow the rocket ship up into the air. And and things some of the booms are stronger than the others and they it knocks things but shakes if, things in the house. If, if you're talking about the black hole in the center of the galaxy, that's light years away. No rocket will make it there maybe in, in uh, several million years. Well so I don't I, know where it is. You have to ask me. <laughs> the black hole is <laughs> light years away, so I don't know how a rocket is gonna make it there. <laughs> Why do you think there's a dome? Some, it was, it was a thing that was going around. People were saying there's a dome over the earth. I don't particularly believe that. Um, but I was addressing this to the people who do believe there's a dome. Uh, there's no dome. Uh, there's no dome. Not not in the concept of something that could get shattered. Hmm. I mean, <clears throat> and as far it, yes, it's not the universe. It's the galaxy. The, there's gala billions of galaxies in the universe. So we're talking about the galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, the center of it. What does it rotate around? Black hole. Hmm. So can people, seeing as there's that, then does that aid in when people do time travel? Uh, uh yeah. I mean, when you're doing, when you're, well, it's it goes beyond. It, it goes into a lot of things when you're when you're dealing at that level. I mean, I don't know too much about hyperspace, but I kept seeing it. Um, and I think to do correct time travel, you sort of have to access what's called hyperspace. Because I don't know, it just seems like the pathway to 
go from one time frame, one timeline to another timeline in a matter of seconds versus trying to traverse the galaxy. I don't, I don't think that's time travel. So it's a science that is beyond what we, what I know. Let me put it that way. There's people out there that talk about it now. But time travel is, um, to me, it's it's not much difference in remote viewing, except for the fact that you can capture, you can manifest a 3D body. See, I don't think I don't I don't <clears throat> I'll explain this. You can take your mind and you can go into the past or you can go a certain way in the future, but you don't know which timeline you're on. And so I say you can't future cast because you don't know which timeline you're going to be on. But when you're dealing with time travel where you're actually wanting to have a physical presence in another time, I think that has something to do with some ability to fabricate a body that you can then take on just like you would a physical body to do whatever you want to do in that timeline. So I don't think the science is necessarily a misunderstanding of the fact that you really are giving a vehicle in in time 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 shifting where you're actually taking your taking a body and putting it there. I don't know if it's a human body at all. Well, the, you know the guys that uh, that fellow that was uh, uh, in that uh, twinium back thing. You know these uh, uh, <clears throat> these characters that were trained and as, as kids, and they were they were sent into the in, into the uh, military. But uh, they have the twinium back program where they spend twenty years serving. And then they go back, they send them back in time because it's, uh, he said his name is Tony Rodriguez and he has spoken with uh, Alex Collier and uh, Michael Sala. And the thing, the way it works is they they spend 20 years in the, in space doing their the work, that whatever their work, and then they get sent back 20 years into the past. So the, when he came back from this operation, he was his nine-year-old or ten-year-old self. And this was done because he said that this was an agreement with a specific uh, military ET group where they they lend their, uh, their people to do this operation and they, with the condition that they are allowed to go back to their regular lives. So he got sent back 20 years into the past. And one of the, th the things that he explained is uh, he was stationed at a, there. There is a, an asteroid. It's it's no it's well known because it's I've seen it in many astro astrological reports. It's, it's an asteroid called Ceres, C E R E S, and it's, it actually has a, a base inside. And he was stationed in that base, and sometimes. <clears throat> when they were shifting equipment or personnel around the solar system and they had a special operation where if if they were going from point a to point b 
And but besides the the transversing the physical space, they were actually shifting in time. They actually had to wait for the for their ship for the ship uh, to finish what it was doing before they could move. Because what happens is it's very common that you can actually encounter yourself. So they had to make a point of not only being uh, being the cognizant and aware of where they were in space, but aware of where in time they were in space. Because otherwise the, the, you run the, the risk of encountering yourself and you were supposed to avoid that at all costs. Never allow a ship a crew to encounter themselves. So like, for example, they, they, they did uh, this operation where they actually had to hide in the upper clouds of, uh, of uh, Jupiter in the upper atmosphere in, in order to give time for the ship to make its run so that they wouldn't encounter each other. He, he explained it very well in, in one of the uh, interviews with Michael Sala. So that's how I, I am aware that uh, it's, it's actually a risk that they run. They have to be aware not only where they are in space, but when are they in space? So as to make sure they don't encounter each other. It's a, it's a big fiasco if you do encounter yourself. What happens? I don't know. It must be something. Something. There must be a, a. Maybe they go crazy because you know you're meeting yourself. Uh, I don't know. He did. He didn't go into that detail. What happens if people meet themselves? I think I have a four-minute clip of him talking to Salas on remote viewing. You want to hear it? I think it's Tony Rodriguez is talking. You want to just hear it? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, as far as uh, psychic abilities are concerned, um, remote viewing is one. There's also remote influencing. I think you were talking in your research, you came across some documents about remote influencing because that's the next level up. So you want to talk a little bit about what you found out? That's kind of a modern term. Um, and what I'm learning is that they call the whole thing psychoenergetics or psychokinesis. Um, but what I found out is that <clears throat> There have actually been documents where the army took over, and when they got to the point of psychoenergetics, uh, when they moved it to center lane, they took it out of INSCOM's hands, which had a monopoly on the technology, and put it in Project Center Lane in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas City, I believe, saying that right. Um, they gave the ability for all the military to access the technology and trained their own remote viewers. So you saw it splinter off into different branches of military, different uh, places. And that was uh, 1985, I believe. Or it began, Centerlink began in 83, January of 83, but they really proliferated. But um, the last bit of uh, information that I uncovered was said that they were, they were putting, they, they were concentrated using parts of the Monroe Institute technique with uh, what they had learned from Grill Flame, and they were manipulating people they had because they could access data from patients in the hospital in Fort Meade. So soldiers that had been injured, they were using techniques of color breathing on the soldiers, and then the, the hospital made uh, checks on them so they had data. So if the soldier healed faster, it would show up in the paperwork and they had actual data. And then they began to perturb the soldiers and actually make their wounds worse. 
by doing it. And what they found was when they compounded and had more than one, I believe the one of the groups they had was up to nine soldiers. So full-time guys, probably on peripheral drugs and other uh, minerals, probably on a peripheral uh, diet and everything, full-time full-time psychoenergetic soldiers. And they were they were synchronized meditating or synchronized their session with the target at the place and actually could kill, induce heart attack and kill the soldiers. And when that happened, the entire thing got classified. That's when you saw the grand canceling of Project Stargate or Gateway, wherever it ended. That's when they canceled it, when they found that they could actually um, affect the battlefield. There were other things in the psycho uh, energetics research about manipulating time at the target and teleporting items from the target and inserting items tel- through teleportation to the target of the what they were looking at and slowing time down for the target and speeding time up. So interdimensional remote influencing. That, and they had a whole paper. There's an entire paper that I haven't even touched yet that was on the mathematics of the interdimensionality that they had uncovered about that. So they were in accessing that through psychoenergetics. There's a great deal. I've already given enough for anybody to go and search on the CIA declassified library to find a great deal of paperwork that supports it, of declassified material. So remote influencing, we've worked on that. I have a group as well. So I do a remote viewing group. And it spawned out of a remote influencing group, and we tend to heal people. So the group votes on what we do. We do grand targets. We try to dissipate hurricanes and things. But it usually ends up as healing somebody uh, that has an ailment, either one of the group members or a relative. And we've had tremendous success. What we find is that when we do, we get 12 or 15 people to meditate and use the techniques that we use on one target. Uh, We heal people. We have tremendous results. And... If you don't keep doing it, we just do one session like that. It will last for a few weeks to a month before the before the problem either persists or it needs to keep going. And so there are techniques that really do it, but um, that you can really you can really impact a lot by doing it over time is what we found. But we meet every Tuesday. It's called Tier Three, and uh, we've had tremendous tremendous success with it. You are listening to. So that's interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any comments other than? <laughs> I had heard that before. I, that guy was interesting there, to me. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, from uh, uh, one of Salas's latest roundtables. We were supposed to play it on the Shanghai show, but we didn't get to it. So I have to remember that we used it. <laughs> to, oh, by the way, Mark, <laughs> I did it on Cosmic Reality. But it's sort of... <laughs> so, um, yeah, basically, we don't know what the hell is happening out there. We see bits and pieces of it. And we're seeing bigger pieces of it and the puzzles coming together. So we should be, you know, thinking in terms of what kind of a reality are we going to come up with? You know, what do you see is the is your version of I'm putting this in quotes heaven on earth, the new reality? What what do you see, Dolly? Uh, I don't see heaven on earth, so I can't 
answer that question, but uh, I I don't even know what I think of as heaven other than no pain. Very important one. And um, acceptance of people. Agape love and acceptance of people, beings, for the way they are, not for the way people want them to be according to what the people want. Um, and of course, having time with God, uh, I want to be able to walk down garden paths or through the trees or walk along the shoreline and into the water and uh, I want to be with God and other people that I have missed so much. Uh, that's the way I see heaven. I don't have in my head heaven on earth. I just, it doesn't exist in my world. Well, maybe it wasn't the phrase I should have used, the new reality. Um no pain well no pain is is not a difficult situation with what we know about neurology and how to heal not going to be a big problem um acceptance of people well that's a big one isn't it you know how do we get to that um i think that once you begin to learn the truth about what's been happening and what is happening uh it, it, the differences in people um, are not important. You know, I mean, it's like there's definitely, well, the t t time tra travel, John uh, uh, Tito, Titus, what was his name? T.I. something. He, he was um, somebody that was supposedly a time traveler. And he said that he had come oh, from. You mean John Titer? Tighter, yes. He, and he came from the future, and he said that there was a civil war in the United States. And it didn't happen when he said it was. It was supposed to be 2013 or something. Um, but I couldn't even imagine it. And now it's like there is a civil war. <laughs> it's, it's happening in the universities and the colleges. It's happening in families. It's, it's the civil war all over again. You know, that's what happened to, to America at that time, is that some people believed in the Southern philosophy. And the Southern philosophy is difficult to get behind because it's about slavery. But from their standpoint, the, the only economy they knew was one based on slavery. And yes, the founding fathers had slaves, but they also had a real religious spiritual uh, problem with that concept that slavery is okay but economically it was the way that they did it and you know so that's that's essentially why you had a breakup at the time of the civil war um, with the families and everything but again if you understand that the economy can be a compassionate capitalism and all that means is that 
it's supply and demand and there's a fairness in the what well, is an equitability in how much percentage the workers whether you're the chief operating officer or you're the the person on the assembly line what is a fair equitable sharing of the profit from these companies and as long as that can be put into adjustment so that you know a successful company has successful people working for it because they're all sharing it's it, and that kind of goes against capitalism in that you can say well isn't that kind of a communistic no not really because the individual is still the important person we want you to get an equitable paycheck for the effort that you put into a given task and instead of you know you deserve it because you're part of the proletariat it's a different philosophy so I don't see that that is a difficult thing to really get through. This is the thing that Fulford talks about, a meritocracy. Yeah. Yeah. Goes beyond that, though. Even it's compassion. It's we're in this all together. You know, we're all unique people, but we're in it as a team. You know, your quarterback can't run around the, doing everything that your other teammates do. We have specific positions, specific missions, and if we all just work our best to do the best we can, then we're all equitable. And the, I mean, this greed thing, you got to get rid of the greed. So you have to purge some of these evil, evil, and evil in this case is it doesn't work. You can get all the money in the world, are you happy with yourself? You just screwed millions of people. That make you happy? You know, it's like, lobotomy time. Let's let's help them out here. <laughs> They're not thinking correctly. You got to do what works. So, anyway, do you have another thing on your list? We've got seven minutes here. Uh, take a look here. Oh yeah, I wanted to read this and share it with people. There is um, corruption going on all over the place over the voting already and one man I think it feels like a man to me I don't know for sure posted this I just went to vote halfway through the explanation from one of the helpers that their machines have been switching votes all day so I should double check my ballot I just held up my hand and explained that I'm not voting on the machine. I continued, if you've been paying attention, that's how they have been stealing elections, and they're not going to steal my vote today. They prepared my wife and I paper ballots, which we have receipts for to confirm our votes. I asked if they would like to see my identification, and they replied, No, that's not necessary. I replied, That's very disappointing. That's just one of the things I copied and pasted. I could have I done reams of paper with people testifying about how they went to the poll, and the poll was closed, 
so they had to try to find another poll to to vote and um, they were they witnessed people stuffing the ballots uh, on the streets in the voting boxes the ballot boxes and they saw them stuffing it in even in the voting uh, gymnasiums and um, it's so it's already happening and I don't know what I can do about it just keep reporting it maybe I I really don't know what I can do about it uh, well let me I, just get let me just make a statement because I on cosmic reality chronicles it's uh from 2020, and the name of the show was Election Fraud. Okay? That's from 2020. And when I put it up on Facebook, the image was banned because it went against community standards. <laughs> and I, I, I looked at it, and I'm going like, what in the hell banned it, you know? Yeah. And it, it had a picture of a protest and it and underneath it it said stop the vote remember when when they, that was a slogan when they said the elections a fraud but they were using the phrase stop the vote meaning the what you call it the congress thingy you know where they were gonna uh say give their blessing to it the thing that ended up in the riots that put people in jail forever Ask, talk about evil um, you know so um, yeah but that's Facebook they're still they're still censoring things it was on the votes again you know mm-hmm. so. I noticed that that was discouraging to me too I did notice they're they're banning things and censoring and the same way that they used to did uh what's his name Musk? Mr. yeah did he sell it why is this happening what the that they're banning people that they're uh, that they're saying you can't say that and taking it off the they're just doing the same thing they did and people are screaming about it but they don't care they just keep doing it. They keep lying. They keep telling the same lies over and over again. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's a very strange world we live in. Yes, it is. I never would have dreamed this ten years ago. No. Uh, it's just ridiculously, uh, I can't. I can't put things in my head. But then Dave was saying, you're not supposed to be able to. <laughs> Just everybody should try to keep themselves in a state of feeling good, to think good things, to think about the reality that you want to see, not the one you're seeing. Right. Uh, kind to people, you know, the things that we know what to do, and don't let everything else take you down. And we're in the last minute here, so you guys want to say adios? Love blankets, y'all. Oh, sorry, Bob. No, no, it's quite all right. I'm done. Bye, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. That's it. Love blankets for everybody. Good night. You were very prompt. Tomorrow, excuse me, tomorrow we've got the Radio 5G, and that's uh, 
going to be with Mark and I talking in the second hour about two tapes. One of them is on scalar weapons, and the second one uh, is on the Great Reset. And if you want to try to get your handle around the Great Reset, it was a good half-hour uh, tape. And uh, in the second hour, we kind of like tell you why you shouldn't even be concerned about those things. So... <laughs>
Cosmic Reality Radio Show, produced by Cosmic Reality Radio. Thank you for listening. Choose your heart.